WTBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Simple portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Jesus was not opposed to fun and pleasure. The Bible tells us that the Lord even took his disciples away on a vacation. How amazing is that? Do you know that there are some men, not not just in, in ministry, but Christians in general, who don't think they should ever take a vacation? Some will never take a day off. They never take a vacation. They, they feel like uh, they have to just keep working and working and working. And yet the Lord in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, told his disciples, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. Get away from the work. Let's take a break. Let's go on a trip. Let's take a vacation. It sometimes seems that we tend to be of one extreme or the other. Many people focus on pleasure, on having a good time, and they do the minimum work possible that will enable them to have some fun. At the other extreme are those that Pastor Steve describes here, the workaholics. According to one recent survey, 63% of Americans work more than 40 hours a week and hand back $21 billion in unused vacation days each year. Not pausing to recharge our batteries negatively affects our health, our relationships, especially our family relationships, and our job performance. Besides that, as we just heard, it is unscriptural. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries is a result of more than 25 years of teaching at Lakeside. Today is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's message on this phrase from the Lord's Prayer, Give us this day our daily bread. It is the fourth of six messages on this brief but thorough example that Jesus gave us to help us pray effectively. If you are able, we encourage you to take notes and to follow along in your own Bible. We'll be starting out today in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And now here is Pastor Steve. There's a great passage of Scripture, and you should keep your place in 1 Timothy. But in Deuteronomy chapter 8, a marvelous statement by the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 8 is about bringing the children of Israel into the land of Canaan, the promised land. After they had been wandering for about 40 years in the wilderness, finally this generation is about to enter the land. And so the Lord tells them, the abundance that's waiting for them, the greatness. This is a land, he says, flowing with milk and honey. And and in verses 7 through 10, he goes through all of this. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, springs, flowing forth in valleys, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig tree and pomegranates, a land of, of olive oil and honey. And and he goes on to just speak about the blessings of this land. In verse 10, then he says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good lands which he has given to you. Now, having said that, then God offers a a strong word of warning beginning in verses, uh, verse 11 and going through 14. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget 
the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. What an applicable statement to all of us. When God prospers you, how easy it is to forget him. Most applicable to us. Compared to the rest of the world, Americans have been blessed financially and materially in an incredible way. Incredible way. And God knows that when we have a lot of things, when, as someone put it, the good times roll, how easy it is to forget him and to become proud and think that our own hand has accomplished everything that we have, rather than seeing them as blessings that come from God. The Apostle Paul issued forth a very direct warning about this very thing in 1 Timothy chapter 6. That's why I told you to stay in Timothy. 1 Timothy 6.17, and keep your place there. Notice what he says. He told Timothy, Timothy, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Let's just stop there. Paul warned that the danger of being wealthy and having an overabundance of things is that instead of humbly trusting God to provide for us, we're tempted to be lifted up with pride, thinking that we are better than those who don't have as much as us. Because look how, look how great we are. That, that our own creativity, our own hard work, our own smarts got us all of this. And we, we think that we're better than those who don't have as much. And, and not only that, Paul says that there's a tendency to trust in our riches, having, having our, our security and dependency on bank accounts rather than on the Lord. In other words, he's saying it's not always easy to depend upon God for provisions when you have more than you need. And we understand that. That is a struggle for all of us, regardless of how much you have. We're all, we're all in this in the sense of our culture that we live in. So in, in light of this abundance that most of us have in America, it's a very relevant warning for us. And it really raises an important question that I want to address with you. Question is this, is it wrong then for a Christian to have a surplus of material goods? Is it a sin for a believer to have luxuries? Now, I have a friend, actually he's a missionary, who believes that. He believes that. He's very outspoken about that. You shouldn't have more than than you need. And I think what he would say is, y'all should give it all to missions and just live on the bare essentials of life. That's what he believes. Question is this. If Jesus told us to pray only for our daily needs, is it wrong for a believer to have more than the necessities of life? Let me put it this way, and I'm coming at it from a number of, of angles. Is it wrong for us to enjoy some of the good things in this life without having to feel guilty about it because others don't enjoy some of these same things? Now, some would tell us, you should feel guilty about it. You ought to get rid of, of everything. You know what? That's not what Scripture says. My friend is wrong. My friend is wrong. First of all, let me show you this from Scripture. Jesus himself enjoyed some of the good things of this life. Do you know that? Jesus himself did that. For example, we read in John chapter 2 that Jesus was at a, a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. And it was at that feast that he did his first miracle. His first miracle was to turn the water into wine. Now, I can assure you that not only was there then an abundance of wine at this wedding feast, but there was also an abundance of food for all the guests to enjoy, including Jesus. He was one of the guests. Listen, if you've ever been to a Jewish wedding, you know you're, you're never going away hungry. You're never going away hungry. 
In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus often went to dinner parties, often went to, to feasts where there was much wine and food to enjoy. And guess what? He was criticized for it. He was criticized for it. Let me show you. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 16. When the scribes and the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why is he eating and drinking with, with tax collectors and sinners? The Lord must have done this a lot, not an isolated incident. He would have, he would have dinners with them. People who were, were rather wealthy, tax collectors were crooks, so they had a lot of money. Why is he eating with them and drinking? They wanted to know. And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. The Lord wasn't there to get a free meal. He was there to minister to them. But but listen, it goes even deeper. Verse 18, John's disciples, that's John the Baptist. He He had his own following. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And they came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? but your disciples do not fast. They said, Lord, why is it that your disciples and you never give up food? We're we're doing that, but you don't do that. Why is it that you're always eating and drinking? Why is it that you're always enjoying the pleasures of life and never saying, no, we're going to fast and do without? And, And Jesus answered them in verse 19, while the bridegroom is with them, he is the bridegroom. While the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? I mean, why would they fast? It's time for rejoicing, time for eating and drinking. So uh, so long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come, he said, when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they'll fast in that day. The Lord was saying, I, I didn't come to fast. I didn't come to lead my disciples to fast. We're enjoying this food. In fact, this was not the only time that Jesus was criticized for enjoying food and wine. In Matthew eleven nineteen, the Lord reveals that he was accused by some of being a gluttonous man and a drunkard. Gluttonous man, in the great King James language, a wine bibber. But Jesus wasn't gluttonous, nor was he a drunkard. He was wrongly accused of these things. But why? Because he was known as one who enjoyed food and enjoyed wine. He enjoyed, in fact, having a good time. Jesus was not opposed to fun and pleasure. Now, these were legitimate, appropriate things, not not certainly sinful things. But the Bible tells us that the Lord even took his disciples away on a vacation. How amazing is that? Do you know that there are some some men, not not just in, in ministry, but Christians in general, who don't think they should ever take a vacation? See this especially in ministry. Some will never take a day off. They never take a vacation. They they feel like uh, they have to just keep working and working and working. And yet the Lord in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, told his disciples, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. Get away from the work. Let's take a break. Let's go on a trip. Let's take a vacation. I love the way uh, Vance Havner years ago paraphrased this come apart for a while or else come apart. In Mark 7, 24, we're told that when Jesus traveled to the northern region of Tyre, which would be approximately the location today of modern-day Lebanon, we're told that he stayed in the comfort of someone's home. Now, you know what? He didn't, he didn't refuse it. He didn't say, you know what? I, I don't think I can do that. I really can't enjoy myself. I'll sleep outside here in the cold. Don't worry about me. And he didn't do that. 
He stayed in someone's home then, and he, and he enjoyed that. So is it wrong for believers to have more than they need? If it was wrong, then Jesus wouldn't have enjoyed the pleasures of food and the comforts of life. It is not wrong. Second reason we know that having an abundance of material possessions is not wrong for a Christian is because the Apostle Paul directly tells us it's not wrong. Once again, 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. Listen to this. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Now, we've already looked at that. And up to this point, Paul is just issuing forth a very healthy warning to wealthy people. Don't let riches go to your head. But then at the close of this verse, he reveals why is it that God has given us some things, material benefits, and he's given some more than others. Why has he given us these these material things? He tells us, the end of verse 17, who richly, meaning God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. You see that? The reason God gives us material blessings is for us to enjoy them. If God has blessed you with with more than most, then enjoy whatever he's given you. You don't need to feel guilty about that. That's his sovereign prerogative. But don't forget to thank him. And And don't take it for granted. And, and don't depend on your riches. Thank the Lord, but enjoy whatever he's given you and, and don't feel guilty about it. Pastor Steve will be back in a minute with more on this vital subject. Let's take a moment to introduce ourselves to those of you who have just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. If you missed the start of class, you can catch the whole program at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Listen online or sign up for our free podcasting service. I'll give that website again at the end of the program, along with another listening option. Pastor Steve has been telling us how we can know from Scripture that having abundance is not wrong. We just learned that Jesus enjoyed some of the good things. Now we'll move on to another person in Scripture who can shed some light on this. Here is Pastor Steve. Wayne Mack, who has written a wonderful book on the Lord's Prayer, addresses this very issue when he writes, Enjoyment and pleasure are not wrong for a Christian, and they do not contradict praying that God would give us our necessary food or daily bread. Again, if God gave us more than what is absolutely needful, that's his prerogative. We should realize that it is God who has given us Give him praise and thanks, use it for his honor and glory, and not become too dependent on it that it becomes our source of meaning or direction in life. That's a good, wise word and, and, and wise balance. However, those who have been blessed abundantly need to be very careful. And Paul gave a warning in the very next verse in 1 Timothy 6. Notice what verse 18 says. Instruct them, meaning those who are wealthy, who he's just addressed, instruct them to do good. To be rich, not only in material things, he's saying, but to be rich in good works. And note this, to be generous and ready to share. You know, let's put it together. Enjoy what God has given you, but don't hoard it upon yourself. Share and be generous with others. Doesn't mean you have to give everything away. Doesn't mean you have to pour it all into missions and, and you, you just barely get by. But be generous. Enjoy what God has given you. Enjoy what you have. Be rich in good works, be thankful, be humble, but enjoy it. You don't need to feel guilty about it. You didn't do anything wrong. 
Now, if you're not being generous, then then you should feel guilty about it because you are guilty. But if you're generous and you give and God just keeps giving to you, then that's fine. Then that's his sovereign plan for you. He may at some time take it all away. He has with some. And in that case, we need to just be content with whatever he's given us. And so what have we seen so far? We've asked and answered two questions. What did Jesus mean by the term bread? It's a generic, all-inclusive term for the necessities of life. Secondly, why did Jesus tell us to pray for our daily bread as opposed to just our bread? Because God is the source of all your, your daily needs. So we look to him to supply our daily needs, never taking that for granted. But there is a third question, which I think is very important. It's this. Why did Jesus tell us to ask for only enough bread for today? And that is how it reads. Notice once again the fourth petition. Give us this day, Jesus said, our daily bread. Now, why did the Lord put it like this? See, the way that it reads, it's clear that he's telling us that we should ask God each day to supply only each day's needs. Give us this day our daily bread for this day and this day alone. Why didn't Jesus say, when you pray to the Father, ask him to give you a lifetime supply of all that you'll need? Just ask him for one lump sum to to just be delivered to you. The answer is obvious, folks. It's obvious. If God were to supply all of our needs at one time, he might never hear from us again. That is, I think that is the answer. I think that's the obvious answer. The Lord delights to hear from his children. The Lord wants us to lean upon him on a daily, on a daily basis. He wants his children to speak to him, to look to him, to rely on him to meet their needs. Listen, if God gave us everything that we needed, as I said, in, in one lump sum, we would probably forget about him. Probably forget about him. We would be so thrilled with all of his provisions that we would tend to ignore him as the provider which is exactly what the world does. His children are to be different. I remember years ago asking my my dad about a uh, relative, a cousin of mine who I uh, didn't know what happened to him. And, and I was told by my dad, he said, you know what? His dad never hears from him, never hears from his own son, except occasionally when he needs money. Then he hears from him. But otherwise, there's no communication. I thought, how sad. But you know what? It's, it's, it's even sadder that many of God's children, if our Heavenly Father gave us more than our daily needs, we would become so self-sufficient, so independent, that we would only speak to him occasionally when the well ran dry. We'd be just like my cousin. Oh, yeah, I need to run to God because uh, the provisions ran out. Rather than looking to him with a thankful, humble heart each day, walking in fellowship with him. And so the reason that God provides for us each day, rather than providing all of our needs all at once, is because he wants us to rely upon him each day. He wants us to regularly seek him. He wants us to walk by by faith and not by sight. And that's why he does this. I'm reminded of two men in church history, very well known in missions. J. Hudson Taylor was the missionary who basically opened China to the gospel. Then there was a man named George Mueller who started orphanages in England. Both of these men have remarkable stories. In fact, you should pick up their biographies. They're, they're classics. But both of these men had remarkable stories that, that bordered on the miraculous, how God provided every day for their needs. I mean, there would, there would be, especially with Mueller, 
And he had all these children to feed, all these orphans to take care of. And there would be things where, where days they didn't have food to put on the table and then a knock on the door and someone would come and, and give some money. And he would never tell anybody his needs. Both Hudson Taylor and George Mueller didn't tell anybody about their needs. They just trusted the Lord. And the Lord provided. But very interesting, as you read their biographies, you'll note that seldom did they have large amounts of supplies but they always had enough for that day and that day alone. They didn't have a month. They didn't have half a year. It was usually that day and that day alone. They didn't have large amounts of supplies. There may have been sometimes like that, but not most of the time. They walked by faith. It constantly kept them dependent upon the Lord. And that's the way the Lord wants us to be, whether we have more than we need right now. We are to pray for God to provide for our basic needs, and we can trust him, folks, to meet those needs when we need them, not a day too soon and not a day too late. And the reason he's chosen it this way is to keep us dependent upon him. So will you commit yourself to being dependent upon the Lord? If this if this petition says anything, it says dependency on a daily basis. Will you thank him for what you already have? Will you pray each day for your needs, regardless of how small or insignificant those needs might be? Let's bow for prayer. And as we're quiet before the Lord, this is, this is the time where you make decisions. This is the time where you think through issues. And this is the time where we address both unbelievers and believers. And if uh, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, your, your greatest need is for eternal life. Eternal life is a gift from God that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. means that you see that you're a sinner, that you can't earn your way to heaven. You understand that Christ died for sinners, and you come to him confessing your sin, being humbled before him, and you trust him to forgive all of your sins. You trust him with that attitude of submission to his authority. You turn from your way, you turn to his way. If you've never done that, you, you need to. That's your greatest need. But for believers, the question is this, what what changes do we need to make? Do you need to confess a self-sufficient attitude that you you just thought that whatever you had, you, you had because you worked hard? It's good to work hard, but God has been the one providing for you. Do you need to be more thankful for all that God has given you? Do you just take that for granted? Do you need to enjoy what he's given you without feeling guilty? about it. Enjoy it. Be generous and enjoy. Do you need to trust him to meet your needs? You're going through a difficult time and you need to trust him. Do you need to confess any anger with God for not giving you what what you want? He knows what's best for you. He knows what you really need as opposed to what you think you need. Our Heavenly Father can be trusted. Whether you need to trust Christ for your daily needs or you still need to trust Him for salvation, He is worthy of our trust. It is a part of His holy nature to keep His promises. May we be daily dependent on God to meet all our needs, at the same time diligent to make sure we do what He wants us to do, what He expects us to do. You have been listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside for over 25 years 
And that ministry has grown to include this daily broadcast produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. This is a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been supportive of their local church. If you would like to hear this program again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen to it live, or you can sign up for our free podcasting service. Once again, it's versebyverseradio.org. There is also a link on the website that will take you to a page where you can subscribe to our complimentary newsletter. Perhaps you would like to hear the entire message all at once without announcements. If so, you can order it on CD or cassette by calling 727-441-1714. Please leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Today's program concludes Pastor Steve's fourth of six messages on the Lord's Prayer. This short passage is a fantastic tool for helping us to pray more effectively. In our next class, we'll